President Tsai Ing-wen is racking up the accolades from international media publications this year. She's been named one of 2020's biggest game changers by Bloomberg and one of Time magazine's most influential people. And in her latest recognition, she's been listed as one of Forbes magazine's 100 most powerful women of the year. The magazine praised her leadership of Taiwan during the pandemic, saying her policies are seen as a global model. Taken together, it has been my commitment over the years for Taiwan to be the shining beacon of light in Asia. President Tsai was invited to give a speech at the 2020 National Democratic Institute Celebration of Democracy Gala. She spoke at length on Taiwan's democracy. Our democracy does not exist in vacuum. The rights we have worked so hard to secure are seen by others as a threat and a constant source of tension and friction. Tsai thanked the U.S. for its support of Taiwanese democracy. Tsai's policies have recently been recognized by Forbes magazine, which ranked her the 37th most powerful woman in the world. This year, the top spot once again went to German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Number two was European Central Bank President Christine Lagarde, followed by U.S. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. I think the 37th spot is really not high enough. Taiwan's accomplishments during the pandemic were made possible by the people's hard work under President Tsai's leadership. I think her ranking is lower than it should be. DPP lawmaker Tsai Yu says Tsai should be higher on the list. Earlier this year, President Tsai's policies were also noticed by Times Magazine, which named her one of the top 100 most influential people of the year. She also made it on this year's Bloomberg 50. In addition, Financial Times readers voted for President Tsai as one of the most influential women of 2020. Chinese scholar Li Yi, a pro-unification activist deported from Taiwan last year, is back in the headlines. He's resurfaced in a video in which he paints a bleak picture of the KMT's prospects in the next general election. Lee says the KMT will suffer a devastating loss in 2024 as public opinion completes a total shift toward formal independence. DPP lawmakers say that if the KMT hopes to survive, it must reinvent itself to align with public opinion. The 2020 elections were when Taiwan's unification sentiment was utterly wiped out. I personally think that the KMT will suffer an even worse defeat in 2024 than in 2020. And I'll be frank, it will be because of China. Last year, Li was deported from Taiwan for planning to deliver a pro-unification speech. He's resurfaced in a video in which he expounds on the future of cross-strait relations. He predicts a bruising electoral loss for the KMT in 2024 due to the evaporation of public sentiment favorable to unification. The 2024 elections will be an election dominated by pro-independence sentiment. There will be a single person left who will say, I am Chinese, I want unification in the future. There will be zero such people. Everyone will say, I am opposed to unification. In 2024, pro-unification forces don't even need to bother running. By that point, I reckon, they're already starting to get rid of you. By then, they can be considered kind if they don't arrest you. This is a man who was deported by the DPP administration. I don't think I need to comment further. KMT chairman Johnny Chang declined comment. The party chair has been laying the foundation for a return to power, most recently by holding a forum on a 10-year development plan for Taiwan. Speaking on the party's own four-year outlook, a KMT lawmaker said it's too soon to predict a defeat.
Wow, if you could foresee the events of 2024, that would be too amazing, wouldn't it? I think the KMT stands a chance in 2022. Honestly, all parties rise and fall in step with public opinion. I think China needs to understand this. We all need to give each other space and take a step back. The KMT has always been China's parrot, skipping along to China's tune. So I believe the KMT will suffer an even greater defeat. The KMT's policy direction is the problem, not Li Yi's remarks. Uh, Taiwan's public opinion is becoming clearer and clearer. The most absurd thing is that the KMT keeps deviating from that, especially with its cross-strait stance. What Li is doing is fear-mongering over Taiwan's future. That's not something China can change unilaterally. The DPP lawmaker says that in the video, Li's purpose was to encourage Beijing to annex Taiwan by force before independence becomes the consensus of the people. Recent rains have brought much-needed drought relief to parts of northern Taiwan, but reservoir levels have barely budged in other parts of Taiwan. The Water Resources Agency says it's considering halting irrigation in Taichung, Miaoli, Xinzhou and Taoyuan from February to June. Let's hear from the agency. To meet the agricultural demand for water in Taoyuan, Xinzhou, Miaoli, and also to meet the commercial need, which draws from the same reservoirs, we would need a total of 750 million tons of water. Based on the current reservoir levels, we're only at 240 million tons. So we need to keep a close eye on the rainfall this week and the next. For most of the farmers in that region, the seedling stage is January. Our decision on this issue will be addressed in our next meeting. There was rain across Taiwan on Wednesday, helped along by cloud seeding in some areas. Officials said that besides creating more supply, they're also working on reducing the demand. In Taoyuan, Xinzhou, Miaoli, Taichung, Chai'i and Tainan, heavy rain, heavy water users will be asked to cut consumption by 7%. Hotels, department stores and theme parks will be required to turn off fountains and take other conservation measures. Charities in Taiwan are struggling as donations fizzle out amid the pandemic. Some, like the Genesis Social Welfare Foundation, have been forced to cut events like its annual banquet for disadvantaged groups. Meanwhile, the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families has found itself with no choice but to limit the number of participants at its annual garden fair. The public is asked to give even a little to help the disadvantaged groups in Taiwan. For the past three years, actor Vicky Tang has been the ambassador for an annual banquet for low-income households organized by the Genesis Social Welfare Foundation. On Thursday, she tackled the challenge of being store manager for a day, helping single mothers sell roast sweet potatoes on the street. Tang took the opportunity to call on businesses and organizations to donate more to the charity. Especially because of the pandemic, donations have been reduced, so there is less help going out to disadvantaged groups. I would like to let everyone know that even a small amount of money helps. We can all do our part. The Genesis Social Welfare Foundation says that amid the pandemic, donations have disappointed expectations. The foundation has been forced to call off its annual banquet for the first time in more than 30 years. Instead, it will be giving out gifts and red envelopes with 500 NT to people in need. We can't hold a banquet event because of pandemic concerns. 
Meanwhile, the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families, which usually receives large material donations at the end of the year, says donations are scarce this time around. This has been the worst year for fundraising. In the first quarter, we posted a shortfall of 34 percent. We've just had a shortfall of about 18 percent in October. The Taiwan Fund for Children and Families says donations dropped by 70 million NT year on year at the height of the pandemic in May and April. Meanwhile, the Child Welfare League Foundation says it received 30 percent less than last year. That's a shortfall of 70 million NT. October is usually the best time to raise funds for the Genesis Social Welfare Foundation, but this year they raised three million NT less than the same month in 2019. 我们今年的十月份跟去年的同期的十月份大概少了将近三百万的经费。We raised nearly three million NT less this October than October of last year. Each month, in terms of service volume, we have 800 people, so we need about 40 million NT in funding each month. Genesis Social Welfare Foundation has canceled its banquet, but the Taiwan Fund for Children and Families is going ahead with its annual garden fair, albeit with a limited number of participants. The groups are appealing to the public to give even a little to help disadvantaged families get through the tough winter. For Mosa News, Stephanie Yang, Huang Pinghan in Taipei. Quincy Davis is no stranger to local basketball fans. After he became a naturalized Taiwanese in 2013, the American-born basketball player represented the Chinese Taipei team in the William Jones Cup and in FIBA championships. An injury put him out of commission two years ago, but now he's making his comeback to play for the Taoyuan Pilots in the Plus League, Taiwan's new professional basketball league. Davis is back on the court and playing in the Plus League. Although he's American-born, he's classified not as a foreign player but a Taiwanese. In the first such case for Taiwan basketball. Last year at the New Year's flag raising ceremony, Davis was a guest of honor as he led the singing of the national anthem. Davis renounced his U.S. citizenship in 2013 to become a naturalized Taiwanese. He helped bring Team Taiwan into the semifinals in the FIBA Asia Cup, and he led Taoyuan's Puyuan Archland to four consecutive championships. However, the 37-year-old has been off the court for two years due to a spinal disc injury. Now he's getting another shot at pro basketball, playing for the Taoyuan Pilots. This is a new league that I'm very happy about because we get a chance to represent a city, and it could be like a a nice competition environment for. For the local cities around Taiwan, so I'm very happy about that. Davis has played just one warm-up game so far in the Plus League. In his four-minute, 41-second appearance, he recorded two rebounds and one steal. It was a minor impact, but he's expected to be a valuable asset for the Pilots. As the regulations for the new league stand, there can be no more than seven foreign players in the four quarters of a game, with the final quarter limited to just one foreign player. With Davis holding Taiwanese status, his team has more flexibility. Flexibility when it comes to using him, whether it's alongside power forward Kadeem Jack or sending him out to clinch the game with Davon Reed and Willie Warren. He can pull the team together and do what the team needs him to do, as well as do the things the coach wants. In this area, he has performed very well. I think as long as he is healthy, he is an asset to the team. This gives us an advantage. After that, I came back, did a lot of conditioning, did a lot of weight training, a lot of core strength. So. 
hopefully all my hard work has paid off and I'm able to stay strong throughout the season. For Davis, his biggest enemy is not his opponents, but rather his old injuries. If he can get through a whole season with his health intact, he'll make his team the dark horse of the new league. Enjoying a mala hot pot meal with friends is a winter delight not to be missed, but too much spicy food can turn into pleasure into a pain. To keep the pain from spoiling the fun, a nutritionist has this advice. Dairy products contain casein, which can pull away the capsaicin, so it's actually quite effective at reducing the heat. Acidic fruits, those that taste sour, can also neutralize capsaicin, which is alkaline. So this pH neutralization can relieve the spicy feeling too. Milk, ice cream, lemons and oranges are all good things to reach for during a mala hot pot session. Drinking cold water can also relieve the pain. Hot water, on the other hand, has the opposite effect, fanning the flames and worsening the burn.